720 WGN. Dr. Allison Arwady is one of our favorite guests. We appreciate what she does for the city of Chicago. She is the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health, the city's top doc. Um, before we get real serious here, Doc, have you ever had a shot of Malort? <laughs> um, I have. I'm a Chicagoan. I don't think you can call yourself a Chicagoan if you haven't tried it at least once. <laughs> we had some don't people try it. it for your health, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had some people try in the studio today. They weren't as enthusiastic about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I'm enthusiastic, uh, but I think it's something everybody should try once. Okay, well, we're all reading the headlines about Biden ending the COVID-19 national and public health emergencies. Tell us how that affects Chicagoans. Yeah, so I think folks may not realize how many things have been tied to these declarations. Uh, there's lots of things uh, that I think we'll be looking for answers on over the next couple of months. I'm guessing that things like student loan repayments will start again, right? There's lots of things outside of health. Uh, but in the health lane in particular, um, I think it's good that we have some runway on this, um, knowing that it will change the way that things like COVID vaccines, COVID tests, uh, COVID treatments, we've gotten really used to all of these being free. And as this emergency ends and this starts to become a disease like any other, the health department's going to need to be doing a lot of planning around folks who are uninsured. You know, I'm hopeful that Congress isn't done uh, getting some of the things that we've seen be really important for equity done. I want a vaccines for adults program where people who are uninsured or underinsured can get their vaccines like we have for children. Um, So I think there's a lot that we're still looking at. I am supportive of moving away from this emergency state because we've got so many tools we didn't have a few years ago. It doesn't mean COVID's over. It doesn't mean that CDPH will be working any less hard, uh, but it does mean the resources will probably look a little different. And how about at the state level? Governor Pritzker is saying today that the the state emergency would end on May 11th as well. I, I would imagine that's a little closer to home or no? Uh, it's a little closer to home, but it's not a surprise. Uh, I think generally often, uh, you know, we, we, I was expecting to probably see that. Um, pretty often folks may not realize that the state of emergency, whether it's federal or state or city even, if that were to be a case, it allows us often to have some more flexibility to move faster. And when you move into a period where things can be done more regularly, uh, you want to often return to the standard practices and ways of doing things. So um, I was absolutely anticipated uh, seeing that from the state. Again, it gives us a good runway to do all of the planning that will, really will be necessary. Um, and I think it's, it's good that we're looking a few months out because there will be a lot to do and a lot of planning. So, you know, when I read that it's still an emergency, but nearing key immunity level, but at the same time, I'm reading 170,000 people around the world has di- have died in the last eight weeks. Help me work through all yeah. of that. Absolutely. And if we bring it a little closer home to Chicago, we still have, you know, an average of one Chicagoan every day dying from COVID. I think what we've seen is that uh, COVID-19 was the number three killer, right, for a couple of years there uh, before we really had vaccine or good available treatments. That is now dropping, but it's still in the top 10 in terms of things that are killing Chicagoans and killing Americans. So it's not over. I don't want people to think that COVID is magically going to go away. 
But it does mean um, that we are feeling more confident, and COVID may still surprise us again, but we're feeling more confident that we have the tools we need uh, to get quickly on top of a surge, to make sure that people you know, can come up to date with vaccines, that the treatments stay good. It doesn't mean we don't work on it, but it means that um, we can work on building strong public health infrastructure without having to focus just on one specific disease. Did we ever reach herd immunity? Yeah, so, you know, I think people have liked that term a lot. Um, What I will say is that there are diseases out there that don't mutate the way that COVID and flu do. So measles, for example, that's a disease that if you get a vaccine against measles as a child, you get a dose when you're one, a dose when you're four, you are protected against measles. If there are outbreaks in the world, that vaccine will hold you for your lifetime because measles itself doesn't mutate. Um, And so as long as we've got at least 95% of uh, our kids up to date against measles, I don't have a big concern for massive measles outbreaks. But COVID and flu are different because they continue to change. And so we do have, um, you know, we're at a point where virtually all Chicagoans have had a COVID lesson at this point. Their immune system has. They've gotten that lesson the safer way through getting vaccinated. They've gotten that lesson by having COVID and recovering. They've gotten that lesson both of those ways. It's now so much less likely. Early on in the COVID days, 8 or 9% of the people being diagnosed with COVID right here in Chicago were dying. Right now, people who get diagnosed with COVID, even in a laboratory setting in Chicago, it's about a 0.3% chance, less than 1 in 100 chance that that person will actually die. So it is a really different place in terms of um, it needing to upend our lives. It's not gone, but it's so far from where we were uh, at the beginning of all this. Um, when when an infection was more likely to lead to death, where we didn't have vaccines, where we were very worried about running out of capacity in the hospitals. And so in that way, I think it does move from an emergency situation with a lot of uncertainties um, to a situation that continues to need resources, uh, but where we can be more prepared and hopefully um, see this settle into a more predictable kind of response like we do for any other infectious disease. Dr. Allison Arwady is on with us. She's the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health. We're talking about things that are going to change now that the emergency attachment to COVID is being lifted. And that will affect Medicaid and Medicare people in a big way, won't it? Yeah, I think it'll especially affect, even more than Medicaid and Medicare, it'll affect folks who are uninsured entirely um, or underinsured. Unfortunately, in this country, we for many people, tie how good your insurance is to the type of job that you have. And if we've got people who are working two and three part-time jobs, you know, these essential workers, uh, they may not even have health insurance through their job. Um, and, if, and perhaps they're not signed up for Medicaid, they're not enrolled. Uh, we know that even the cost, you know, a, a COVID vaccine, if, if it's not covered by the government, it's not covered by your insurance, it's probably more than $100 out of pocket, right? That's not the kind of cost um, that we... That that is really feasible for for Chicagoans who are uninsured. So we're still looking at the details of what it'll mean for Medicaid and what it'll mean for Medicare. But my bigger worry sitting here are people who don't even have Medicaid or Medicare. And there are a lot of folks like that still out, you know, out in Chicago. It's going to change some of the re-enrollment roles for Medicaid. So we've given folks grace where if they had previously qualified for Medicaid and your paperwork wasn't up to date, you could continue your Medicaid. I expect some of that will come 
come back into play, and that sort of can put an extra burden on people. We feel so strongly at CDPH that healthcare is a human right, and that people need to be able to access basic healthcare and preventive healthcare, like vaccines, regardless of who they are. And so CDPH is often working to kind of fill in the gaps, um, making sure that people who are eligible get enrolled in Medicaid, uh, making sure that people who aren't eligible, we can we can help fill in those gaps for everyone. And it just means that COVID will move into that category where we need to um, do extra work for people who may not be in the traditional systems. So when these benefits disappear, when, uh, you know, the COVID national public health emergency is well called off, I guess, for lack of a better yeah. explanation, why may? What, what was... <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, you know, my sense on that is everybody continues to be the most concerned during the winter months. Uh, that is that is our respiratory virus season. It was our respiratory virus season before COVID. It will continue to be our primary respiratory virus season. I think it's right to not lift it in February or March um, when we know, based on prior COVID years, even prior flu, flu years, that we may see some additional surges in that time point. Uh, we're still watching, you know, out of China. There's a lot of cases right now. Uh, But I think the hope is that once we're through those winter months, have had enough time to do some of this planning, um, that that you've got to give people a runway to to plan around this. And so um, I don't think there's anything magical about May, except that it's through through the winter season with enough time to do planning. Um, And I do want folks to understand that if COVID throws us a curveball, if there is a new variant that the vaccines don't work against or something, it's possible this wouldn't be lifted, but I think it is right to plan toward lifting it because we do have the tools. We just don't want to forget the lessons we learned from COVID and leave out people uh, from from the basics of being able to protect their and their family's health. When, uh, when this is lifted, we will have lived for three years under an emergency order. When you look back on those three years, what do you think CDPH did best? I think I'm really proud of the way, first of all, CDPH's preparedness around this. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but I'll tell you, we did have millions of those KN95 masks pristinely stored. We did have really good plans about how are we going to feed kids if the schools close. We had a lot of good, strong preparedness work, and I'm really proud of that. I'm also really proud of this focus that we have taken on equity. I think we've been uh, unstinting in the focus there, really saying, what are the parts of this city that are driving our outbreak? Let's work to get vaccine there first. Let's be creative in terms of working with community partners, building trust. You know, we never before were able to say, no matter where you live in Chicago, we'll bring a vaccine to your house free of charge. Like really thinking about access and equity in new and important ways and really thinking about uh, working to be transparent with our data, open about our decision making um, and taking feedback from the community. We certainly didn't get everything right, I'm sure. Uh, But I am really proud that at every step, we looked at the data, we looked at what was happening locally, we've had robust conversations, um, and we've tried to be really open with the public about about where we are. And this is just the next stage in doing that. We appreciate your, your contributions and your dedication to the city of Chicago. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and thanks for continuing to talk about this. I Make sure folks know, even if the emergency is lifted, CDPH is not taking its eye off the ball when it comes to all things COVID. Thanks. Dr. Allison Arwitty on 720 WGN. Lauren Lapka has your news next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom.